You guys, this is such a fun topic to talk about because Elisha and I are entering the 32nd week of my pregnancy. And so this is really on our minds and we're just talking a lot about the postpartum season right now and what has worked with our two children before and what has not worked during that postpartum season. So today we just want to go over the expectations that we have for this third baby and hopefully give you guys some helpful takeaways on just ways to manage expectations and go with the flow in the moment because we all know that can totally happen post-birth. If you are a regular listener and you haven't given us a rating or a review yet, that would mean so much if you would just take the time to scroll down to the bottom of this page and click on the stars and give us a rating. If you take the time to write a review, that means so much to us. Elisha and I actually just read through your reviews tonight before we did this podcast and it just means so much to us and it also helps get this show in front of more families. Hey, I'm Elisha Voberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited as you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. I, you know what I just realized, Katie? That you start the podcast really slow. I do? Oh, you mean I say my words Very slowly? dramatic. No, that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is that I really enjoy doing this podcast. I love doing it. You guys, we record this late at night, and I'm a morning person, and this is pretty much the only thing I can enjoy doing late at night that requires effort. Yeah, and I think that, I don't know about you, Katie, but sometimes throughout the week or definitely the day of when we're going to record, it can kind of hang over my head a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I really want to have a good podcast. I want to make sure we have good content to share. But then when we hit record, it just becomes really fun. It does. I know. I love doing it. And really, you guys make it fun because when we hear back from you and we get messages or texts or emails or reviews, it's just like oh my goodness, like, I feel like, I don't know, we're just a part of your lives in some way. And I love when you guys reach out because then we can be, I don't know, you know, it's like more mutual Yes. versus us just talking to microphones. We're talking to real people. 100%. I think that, well, I mean, I know for me, I'm feeling really excited because this week was really fun because when I was working at the coffee shop, there were two different people that came in and that I had never met in person before. And they told me that they listened to the podcast and you know that they are that you enjoy it and that they're encouraged by it and so that was really fun thanks to you know you know who you are for coming into the coffee shop and and saying hi and and encouraging me that just meant so much i was so excited to go tell katie yeah and i think like i'm kind of on a high right now because right before this podcast i just got off the phone with a family that 
met us through our podcast. Yeah. And it's just so fun to meet you guys and actually yeah. get to talk with you. And anyways. Yeah. It's just been a huge yeah. encouragement to Katie and I because we are we just really feel like we're sharing our story. We really want to learn and we want to grow. We want to be continual learners and growers and try to find the blessing in family that, that God had intended it for it to be and just to grow in our faith and in our knowledge of, of God and his truth. And when we meet like-minded people that are pursuing the same thing, that's such a cool feeling to know that you're not alone and wanting to honor the Lord with your life and mm-hmm. with your family and you know with your marriage. And so thank you guys just for being such an encouragement to Katie and I. Yeah, well, I would say like this podcast kind of in my mind is like a magnet to like-minded families, but a lot of you guys are further ahead than Elisha and I, mm-hmm. and we can learn so much from you. So when you reach out and let us know like, hey, I we have five kids, you know, and we have similar values, it is just so fun to be like, oh, great, like glad this podcast pulled you out of the universe because yeah. we would have never met yep. and we really want to learn from you. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. Anyways, so today we are going to dive into our expectations for postpartum and we're going to be sharing our personal expectations, but what I'm really excited about is there's kind of an announcement in this podcast. It's like a soft announcement. And that is Elisha and my books on postpartum are going to be coming out here really soon. Yeah. That's a big thing because we've both wanted to write books for forever. And these are workbooks. And I don't know. It's just around something we're really passionate about. Yeah. Both Katie and I have strong feelings regarding our first two postpartum seasons. And they're most they're mostly negative, actually, our feelings are. And <laughs> I think true. that's why they feel so strong. And we decided that we really want to do our best to prepare ourselves and equip ourselves for this third postpartum season. And so we decided to really just start writing and creating tools for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we were excited to use them for our own postpartum season, but we really hope they can be of value and of benefit to anybody else that finds himself going through a postpartum season. And you know what's interesting is that I think that these tools and a lot of the strategies and concepts that we're going to be talking about in this book are applicable just to unusual seasons. Yeah, because, just to whenever your marriage is going through something stressful. Yeah. Because the postpartum season is just, it's not a typical season in in life. It's very unique. And uh, regardless of how many children you have or how many postpartum seasons you have, they're all going to be different and they're going to present new challenges. And it's hard. I think it's hard to prepare for them. And so Katie and I's goal is really just to prepare ourselves for a season that's hard to prepare for. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's so many resources on coming up with your birth plan. Yeah. And especially as a first time mom, you think, okay, once I get through the birth and I get this baby out of me, life's going to be good. Mm -hmm. And I think it can kind of take you off guard that it's not just healing afterwards. And I think there's a lot of postpartum materials out there for healing and there's great um, resources out there on like anxiety and depression and, and hormonal imbalance and stuff like that. But we wish someone had prepared our marriage for going through this. And I think people say they throw birth in there with like, I don't know if you call it a crisis, but they throw it in with like birth, death, buying a house, making a move, like a major change. And they say like one of those happens every five years in a marriage. 
hmm. on average. I'm saying they because this is just something I've heard. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like a statistic. <laughs> it's like some statistic out there. Okay. Um, but I think of that, and Elisha and I feel really passionate about this because we've had three of these seasons every year we've been married. Three of them every year? Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> One each year we've been married. This is our third. This is our third. Coming yeah, up. in our yes. third year of marriage. Yep. We're going to have another postpartum season, which people say, like, you know, is every, like, three years. Sure, or, you sure. know, they kind of spread it out a little bit. So we want to thrive through this time. It's really important to us because it's been a big part of our marriage and our life. Yes. And like you said, this is also going to be applicable to someday when we do move, if we do move, or if I change careers, which mm-hmm. it looks like I may hear in the very near future. Yeah. Um, or, you know, there's sickness that comes upon our, our family. And so our, our goal is to give practical tips to ourselves first and foremost uh, because as you're about to hear our first couple postpartum seasons did not go well for us as far as our the health of our marriage the health of us as individuals I would say I was not a very good space mentally and I think you would probably say the same thing Katie for yourself oh yeah yeah definitely and the the problem with Katie and I or sorry I should say the problem with that that being the case is you might say oh well that's inevitable that you have, you know, a few weeks of the emotions running high or being kind of unstable and trying to figure out how to sleep with a newborn and trying to adjust to life as a family. Um, and had it had just been that, that'd been one thing, but we made some very poor decisions in the midst of that hard season that had ramifications far beyond the postpartum season. Mm -hmm. And I think that that happens oftentimes when you're in challenging seasons is that you're convinced that the circumstances are your enemy. And so you're going to do everything within your power to change the circumstances when in reality, the circumstances will change themselves over time. The postpartum season comes to an end Mm -hmm. over time. And so if you're prepared as a person and as an individual, and you know what your own boundaries are going to be and how you're going to lead yourself throughout that season, then you can still thrive while the season around you feels like it's cattywampus. Yeah, I think that's really good. Having like those anchor points, basically. Yep to come back to in a kind of stormy situation. And I think for me, I know I get a lot of messages through Instagram from moms who are like, oh my goodness, like they either had their first baby or they just had their second. And you do feel like this is my life. Like I'm never going to function properly again. Mm, I'm never going to be able to do what I wanted to do again or feel like myself again. And I think it's super helpful to go over our expectations to know how to prepare that way so that when those feelings hit, we at least expected them. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference that I noticed between Leon and Lucy was that Leon, our first, I think Elisha and I thought this is our normal. Yeah. This is going to be forever. Yeah. Like I was like weepy emotional and Elisha would just look at me like, this is my wife. Like, this is what birth did to her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then I wanted to prove him wrong, but I couldn't because yeah. I was such an emotional wreck. And then with Leon, I think we both had more grace to be like with th- Lucy. Oh yes, yeah, Sorry. Thanks. With Lucy, our second, we had a lot more grace. Like this is going to end. We are going to get through it. Yep. My body's going to heal. You know, you know what to expect a little bit because you've had one before. Yep. That's right. But I do think every time you have a new child, life gets cattywampus again. You're throwing something else into the situation. So I think we wrote this, you know, after the baby, our book, towards 
anyone. Yes. Towards any number of children, I guess. I yes. think it could be helpful. Yes, 100%. Okay, so one thing that I think was helpful, Elisha's like motioning to me like, get on with your point. Well, no, I, I wasn't I wasn't in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. I'm enjoying this. I just I, I didn't thought realize you had... that it was time for me to share my, my well, if, grand point. If it's point. not time, then it's not time. I, but... <laughs> I'm really eager to hear your first point. Okay. So my first point was in the book, we list 25 questions that it's super helpful to talk through with your spouse before you go into labor. And I think these are so good to repeat. Like we're on our third child. Elisha and I know, you know, some of the expectations we have, but I still want to go through every single one of these questions. Me too. Yeah. And it just brings up good conversation every time. Maybe, I liked something we did with our first two and he's like, Whoa, I thought we were going to change that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was not working for me. Yep. So that's something that we share. We actually have it on our website. It's called 25 questions to ask before you go into labor. And a lot of those questions were pulled from you guys on our social media channels. And, um, but I just think they were super helpful for us. And we're definitely taking the time to talk through those before I get too far along. Yeah. And some of these questions are more big picture, uh, just kind of an open-ended question, like what's the best case scenario for you with this pregnancy and the postpartum season? Like that's a very open question where you can really elaborate on your thoughts. And then some of them are far more specific and practical, like how many visitors do you want in the first week after our baby? Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to ask some of those seemingly simple questions because when, when it's happening, you might not think beforehand, like, well, I don't really, anybody can come over and see our baby, you know, after, uh, you know, after it's born, if it's a healthy baby, the more the merrier. And then after day four, and it's, you feel like you're, you know, living in a house with a revolving door, you want to have that freedom to say, Hey, we need time for just you and me to be able to connect, you know? Cause I think that was a big thing, Katie, after, our, after Leon, after our first child was that you and I felt really distant from each other for that first week, maybe two weeks after Leon. Yes, that was, that was really hard for me. So I'm a quality time person. And if you're familiar with the love languages, then basically I feel loved when Elisha's total focus is on me. Mm -hmm. And we just had a baby around 24 seven. And I think Elisha was kind of scared of me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'd gone through a lot of stuff and I'm like, his crying wife who turned into a cow and like I, I don't, did you you didn't turn into a cow did you <laughs> well <I> sure <laughs> felt like one <laughs> um, I think I was scared of myself but he kind of turned that energy towards Leon he was so excited we had a son and I just was like put that baby in somewhere else like yeah I'm jealous of my husband right Right. And in, from my perspective, I was thinking, okay, Katie doesn't seem mentally stable right now. She seems <laughs> a little bit emotionally a wreck. And so I'm going to help her by taking Leon and giving her space. And that was, that was kind of double-sided. Like I thought it would help Katie, but I also kind of wanted to clear out too. Uh, and that sounds really insensitive, which it was really insensitive, but we laugh about it now. Yes. Um, because I did much better the second time. Yeah. With Lucy. With Lucy we had talked about that before and I was like, I need time with you. Mm -hmm. And we built that time into our postpartum experience. And I think it was actually really awesome. Yeah. That was something that was great. We felt really connected. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think something that I'm really 
pondering going into this third postpartum season is having both a strategy, but being aware that I'm going to need to implement tactics as well. You know, and, and you know, that's like I feel like that's chess terminology. People talk about having a strategy, but then also having tactics. You need to have the big picture in mind, what the ideal outcome is for for the postpartum season. Maybe it's a three week or a six week or eight week season that you kind of plan out in your brain or you write it down on paper and you you prepare it as it would be ideal. You think, okay, it would be ideal if it worked like this and that's your strategy. But then you have to have effective tactics as well, meaning what's the next best thing to do? Because odds are, it's, it's, more, it's, likely, it's more likely than not that the strategy at some point is going to be kind of counteracted. Like there's going to be that counter move by the invisible opponent of the postpartum season. That oh, totally. There's so many things that can go wrong or just go different depending yep. on labor and delivery and the child and their yes. personality and what they're going through. That's right. And that's, I think, when you need to implement the tactics or the, your personal disciplines maybe is another way to put it. And I think that, so for instance, with Leon, our firstborn, I didn't have a strategy or, or good tactics by any means. And as a result, we were just 100% victims to the postpartum season. Mm-hmm. And that was tough on our marriage. It was t- tough on us as individuals. I really just started questioning who the heck I was. Katie started questioning who the heck she was because there are these natural things that are happening. Sleep deprivation. Katie's hormones are experiencing things that she's never experienced before. I'm experiencing a wife with hormones that has never experienced these hormones before. <laughs> you know, So we're all going through these things. And then there's a child on our hands as well. And couldn't nurse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, Leon was really small. What was he like? He was five and a half pounds, which is pretty small. Yeah. And, um, and he didn't eat very well at all for like the first week. I know. Stressful. It doesn't sound bad. It's like a week, but it was miserable. That was a bad week for us. <laughs> it was awful. It was like two weeks. Yeah. yeah it was stressful. And so when we were getting ready for Lucy, baby number two, we developed a strategy that I think we were both pretty excited about. And I think it probably was a good strategy. The problem was, was that when we got, I guess, derailed from our strategy, I didn't have any personal habits or disciplines or tactics to implement to make the next best decision. And, and so I didn't have any tactics as far as communicating what I was feeling. Hmm. I felt like I didn't have any tools to communicate through those emotions and communicate during that time of sleep deprivation. So once our expectations got thrown off track or our strategy got thrown off track, Elisha kind of just launched into, well, I don't know what you launched into. Like you said, you didn't have those personal like grounding tactics. And then I was just like, something's got to change. Right. And just, went really irrational because we didn't have tools in that season. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I guess, for example, practically speaking, my strategy was after Lucy to be able to stay at home for a week and, oh no, it was two weeks. I was going to stay at home for two weeks and then I was going to start working from home and providing for us from home. Cause at that point we were a hundred percent entrepreneurial making our money all from home. And I thought I'd be able to kind of help you with the two kiddos while running our businesses online. And that was not a good strategy. I mean, now that I think about it, that did not go well at all. (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, we thought it'd be kind of like 50, 50 because we were both involved in, in everything we were doing. Yep. And so I think we thought we'd be kind of 50, 50 with the kids, with the work, it was going to all just kind of mix together. Mm -hmm. And that is not good for us. It didn't work. And so when it became very apparent that that was a bad strategy, I had, 
I just kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater and just fell back on very... We kept the baby. You're right. We did keep the baby. That's a good point. That was a bad analogy to use. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So we kept our baby and I uh, threw out the bathwater. I guess. I don't know. Maybe just a different analogy. Forget. You guys know what I'm trying to say here. And I resorted to some really poor habits. Just staying up late at night because I thought, okay, well, I'm not sleeping well anyways. So I'll stay up watching whatever it was, you know, watching per- meaningless shows on Netflix or on whatever, whatever. And, uh, and then, and then sleeping whenever I could sleep, which meant maybe from 11 in the morning until four in the afternoon and not exercising and then eating junk because we were off our rhythm. And so, you know, Katie obviously wasn't able to make the healthy meals that she usually makes. And so I was just I went from eating healthy to like the most unhealthy thing ever just because like there was no, I just had bad tactics and I wasn't able to lead myself in those situations because I was thrown off of being able to have my set bedtime and my set wake up time. Like I have in a perfect world Then I decided to throw out all my good habits with the postpartum season. And that's something that I really want to go into this third postpartum season being defensive against. I want to have tools in place to keep me from going down that path. When we get, you know, kicked off our strategy and we get thrown off our strategy and it gets thwarted that we have good tactics to fall back on. Yeah. I think that's like the big part of, well, it's kind of what this whole workbook is about after the baby is basically about developing a strategy and then developing tactics to maneuver around within that strategy when stuff changes. Yeah. I'd say that pretty much sums up how we're preparing and what we are writing. Uh, and one of the, I guess, strategy pieces is the expectation translator. Yes. And we have sent this out in one of our very first emails to our newsletter. So if you're on our newsletter, then you guys have gotten this before. Uh, but I just want to share how it specifically applies and how we're applying it to postpartum. Um, so the first question that this tool asks is what is your goal? So this can apply to any stage of life, right? In this case, I'm going to say to have a good postpartum season. Yeah. That's what I've written down on mine. And then the second question are, what are the five things you want to be true of this experience? So Elisha's filling this out separately from me. And then we're going to compare notes. So five things that I personally want to be true of our postpartum season are, I would love to exclusively breastfeed. I want to stay in bed with nothing on the agenda for seven days. I want my mom to come help for the first like four days if she can. Um, and I want to get up at nights with the baby and have Elisha take the kids in the morning and just kind of have that be right off the bat what we're doing. And I want to start transitioning back into normal life as soon as possible. So those are five things that are strategy where I'm saying like, this is my big picture. These are my expectations. Um, that would be ideal for me, but obviously the ideal doesn't always work out, but I do think it's good that we communicate what the ultimate game plan 100%, is. hundred percent. That's right. You, you don't know what you're hitting. That's right. When you don't know what you're aiming at, you hit a hit it a hundred percent of the time. Right. I know you'd have that quote if I just kind of like let into it. I don't even know if I said it the right way, but, <laughs> but exactly. That's right. You don't want to be shooting into the dark. And, and so I think that's so good to have that big picture vision for those five, those five areas. And I'm really excited to fill that out for myself. Yeah. And then I know I'm excited to see what you have to share. You aren't supposed to share it before your spouse does it. I know. I felt like we just kind of ruined that for us, but 
it's for you guys. It's worth it. Okay. And then what does the ideal outcome look like? So for me, the ideal outcome looks like Elisha and I being on the same page and still finding time for each other. My body having what it needs to rest in the beginning and a lot of concentrated help in the beginning. So I'm able to get back on my feet. And then I also outlined what does the worst case scenario look like? Hmm. So we know if we're hitting that target. <laughs> um, and that's Elisha and I becoming disjointed and upset. Um, during my, why did I write so small? Oh, hurting my body by doing too much in the beginning. Because mm-hmm. that's what I've done with both yes. two kids. Yes. It's I, like bad. I need to do so much, be so much more vigilant and just keeping you from doing stuff. Elisha would do everything i just wasn't good at managing myself i felt good so i just we can do much better yes yes. um and then that has resulted in stretching out the postpartum stage for weeks and what also would be worst case scenario for me is not getting on a regular schedule with work and life balance in the first six weeks so this could be different for other people like Mm -hmm. for instance some people love their husband's home for a long period of time we have learned that that is not best case scenario for us. Yeah. It's way better if I get my rest up front and then there is just clear separation between my territory and Elisha's territory. Yeah. Meaning I'm going to work and I'm going out and I'm providing and Katie's trying, trying to do it. She's doing her best to get back to a flow at home. Yeah. Like I would rather limp through things at home and still feel responsibility and accomplishment and like I thrive off of feeling needed and stuff like that. And then no, similarly. That, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We both really just felt kind of insecure around each other when we were at home for that extended period after Leon and Lucy, where yes. obviously that first week or those first 10 days, it's very necessary that I'm at home because yes. you, you, I, we really don't want you getting out of bed very much. We don't want you picking up the kids. Um, and yeah, exactly. We just, we want you resting as much as possible. But then there comes a point where you are pretty mobile. At least this has been the case for the first two yeah, weeks. Yeah, again, this is our ideal, our big picture. Yeah, it's our, our ideal. Our ideal. Um, yeah, and just assuming that your you know delivery goes well and that you're healthy. Um, but then there came a point with both kiddos where you're up and about, and I was here, and we were just kind of in each other's space. And it's crazy how we it, we started getting under each other's skin, and that was not healthy for us. Yeah, it just wasn't like because I. I would ask Elisha to do things because he was home and he'd do stuff because he was home, but he wasn't feeling fulfilled because he didn't feel like he was using like his skills and abilities. Well, I think it was a twofold thing because I'm a hundred percent ready to be helpful. Just, I think like any involved husband and father would be where it's like, dude, this is a, it's a crisis season. Like you said, so I'll do what it takes. I'll change diapers for weeks on end if I need to, and I'll prepare yes. the prepare the kids. I'll get them dressed. I'll make the meals. I'll do I'll do all those things, which you know, and you can find fulfillment in it. But then it's once that becomes less of a need, and you're just kind of doing it because you are home. But then you're thinking, okay, nobody's out providing for our family right now. Everybody's at home being you know taking care of the family, and that's where it became, I think kind of a gray area for us that yes. turned in. And I think it's different for every other person. I mean, we were just talking to people at church this, this last Sunday, three days ago. And I think he's like on week seven after their child, no, no, week five after their child being born and they're loving. And he gets like eight weeks or something. Yeah. And they love him being at home and this is their third child. Yes. You know, yes. and they just love him being at home for five weeks in a row now 
being in the home and they're, and they're thriving on that. And so I think it really is a case by case scenario. For sure. We aren't talking at all to like, this is what your postpartum season should look like. Yeah. Like I think, but I do think it's so important that that's why we have these conversations as a, as spouses, because we know each other and we know how each other work. And sometimes looking to other people, you think that's how you should do it. Mm-hmm. And I think we thought the more time Elisha has off and the more time he's home helping me out, the better. Yep. I think that was just our thought. That, those were our thoughts. And yep. we didn't realize that that's not how we work yep. at our best. That's right. Yep. And so our goal is kind of reversed versus, as opposed to being, how long can I possibly be at home before I have to go back to work? Now it's how quickly can I get back to work? You know, so how quickly can you get to a spot where you're stable, you're feeling good and I can get back to work. Yeah. And we've actually talked around this too, because I have tended to overdo and actually we want Elisha to go back to work sooner and for me to actually hire someone to come help a few days a week. Yeah. Like that is preferable to us. Yeah, it is. And so we're saving money for that right now. Yeah. Part of what we're saving. So I just think that's one of the things like, it's good to talk through. You can totally make it work where I'm still laying low, but I still feel like, you know, I'm the queen of my house and he feels like he's out providing and like taking care of our family and you can bring in help. You know, you can leverage the weaknesses that you have or not. You don't want to leverage the weaknesses. You can fill in the weaknesses using other people too. Yeah. It doesn't all have to fall on Elisha's and my shoulders. And I think that's something we've learned talking through this. Yes. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And I really want to do a better job in this third season of, um, you know, I guess leading throughout this process because I've felt so ill-equipped in the first two postpartum seasons because I just didn't understand. I didn't understand you. I didn't understand what you were going through physically and emotionally. Um, And, you know, I was lacking sleep. And so I took a very passive role, definitely with Leon and, and and even a little bit with Lucy, where I just kind of let everything come. I was like, okay, well, we'll just roll with the punches as they come. And I think part of that's necessary where you have to roll with some punches. But in hindsight, I could have been a lot more proactive in making decisions for your well-being and for the well-being of our family in the moment and taking leadership and, you know, telling whether we felt peopled out and we just needed time alone making the phone call to, you know, that, that awesome couple from our church that was maybe going to bring food over and just saying, Hey, you know what? Thank you so much for wanting to bring the food over tonight, but we really just need some time alone, you know, or saying, Hey, would you mind just dropping the food off, you know, outside the door? And we just want to kind of have some time alone, some privacy, um, for this season. And that's a hypothetical situation that didn't happen with us. Um, well, we had some things like that because I think, again, we didn't realize you think the more help, the better you think this is a good problem to have the more meals, the better, the more support, the better. And it didn't dawn on us like, Oh, we aren't going to have time to be our own family. Mm -hmm. And I get peopled out really easily. I just wanted time with Elisha. And so anyways, again, it's just learning how you work and stuff like that because support is incredible, but you have to know how people can support you best Yes, because people are willing to help. And it, it's beyond incredible how many people were willing to help us. I think we didn't know how we wanted to be helped. That's right. And I do want to communicate that better to people this time. Yep. Well, I think just as easily or maybe more easily 
you could see yourself ha- feeling a deficiency of help. And I want to be able to once again step into that role of leader and making the ask for you. I don't want you to feel that pressure to call you know, a lady from our church or call your mom or your grandma and say, hey, I really need help. I want to be able to make those calls for you and really take that load off of off of your shoulders. And I think whereas before I was like, well, she knows what she needs. I'll just let her handle everything and I'll stay clear. Um, and obviously there's going to be an element of that because I'm not going to understand everything, but I want to be in tune with you so that you feel like, okay, I can ask Elisha to call my mother and ask for help, or I can ask Elisha to you know, make this decision and, and he'll do that. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And I think just going through our overall strategy and then working through these tactics and learning these skills that honestly we apply to our marriage on a daily basis mm-hmm. or at least a weekly basis, but just applying them to the postpartum season has already made me just feel so much more at peace going into this season hmm. because I think that we've been in turmoil before both our kids were born to a certain extent. Yes. Like we just didn't have any game plan. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's super helpful to have that big picture and then also feel like, wow, we have a lot of tools in our tool belt or those tactics to be able to communicate effectively, to be able to just when situations do arise that are not ideal or if medical complications arrive, like we've at least had those conversations. That's right. Because I think before we went in, just fingers crossed, hoping for it to be a great experience. Yep. And we were blessed with amazing deliveries. Yes. Um, I shudder to think of what would have happened if I hadn't been. Yeah, if there are complications. Yeah, but I just think it's so good to talk through that stuff. So this expectation translator we're using to go over our thoughts on intimacy, um, Elisha returning to work, sleep and fatigue, his roles, my roles after three kiddos, just like everything. Yeah, exactly. Trying to really flesh out what could go wrong, what could go, what we want to have go right, what's in our control, what's outside of our control, and so that you can prepare. As and some of it feels almost redundant or like it's like almost. not necessary, you know, like you're planning for worst case scenarios and this could be such a waste of time, but it's not because it's a good thought exercise and it really gets you in that place and in that space mentally. Well, and like I said, like every tool, every strategy, every tactic we're sharing in after the baby is all just marriage based. Like Mm -hmm. it's grown our marriage just talking through this stuff and we learn more about each other and we're getting more comfortable just using these tools and bringing them up in situations that aren't, you know, crisis or stressful situations, but they're just like maybe a little tense. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that if we can apply these things during hard times, it's, it makes them so much easier to apply in easy times. Yes. And so it's, it's a win-win either way. It is. Every time we have a conversation, it's a win-win. Yes. These type of intentional conversations are always so beneficial and productive. Yeah. So, okay. I do want to let you guys know before we close off here, we are going to need some people to read through this. So there's a, his copy and a, her copy and they're short reads. They're kind of just like full of funny stories. And then again, those strategies and tactics, and we want some people to proofread it for us and just like, give us your opinion. What are your thoughts? Um, so go to our website. What link should I give them? I don't know. You tell me. Okay. Go to now that we're a family.com forward slash postpartum. And 
if you want to read this book before they come out, maybe you and your husband want to go through it together, we would love to have a few of you do that before this publishes and goes live and we share it with everybody. So go in, put in your email, and we will send you a copy of the manuscript as soon as it's done, which hopefully is going to be this week. Yeah. I think we're wrapping things up this week. Yeah. So I'm really excited to share that with the first few of you guys. Again, just go to nowthatwe'reafamily.com forward slash postpartum and put in your email there and we will send you a copy of the manuscript and we'll be in touch because I really want to get your feedback. Oh, that's fun. Nice. Are you just going to let anybody that puts in their email read it? Is there like a first, no, first three? The first? No, I'll contact you. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Put in your email if you want to do it. Yeah. I'll have a little questionnaire there. Okay. And then I'll reach out to you. Awesome. That sounds good. Cool. Well, I think we can uh, we can sign off. You yeah, think, Katie? Absolutely. This was so sleepy. good. Yeah, Katie and I are excited to share more and more about what tools we've created for this book and in this book as we're preparing for baby number three. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you guys along in our journey, obviously. And you'll be able to see pretty soon how effective this is in our postpartum season because I'm sure we'll be pretty transparent with you guys as to how the postpartum season goes. Yeah, we definitely will be. Yeah, that's right. Right on, folks. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you all so much. And uh, we look forward to next week's podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.